Hi, this is Jean-Jacques Taylor, and you're listening to Jock Talk. This is a podcast where I talk about the Cowboys, the team I've covered as a beat writer, columnist, TV insider, and radio host for 28 years. I'll also talk about the NFL and the things I love, working out, streaming, food, and all things Dallas. My boy, Big Joe and the Big Rig, one of my oldest friends, produces the show and occasionally chimes in with his thoughts on the Cowboys. After all, he's a lifelong Cowboys fan, and he played high school, college, and semi-pro football. Welcome to Jock Talk, where sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, or a month from now. I'm going to give you the truth straight. No chaser. Glad to have you aboard. Let's get it. Welcome to episode 25, my friends. It's another late night edition of Jock Talk. It's me and Big Joe and the Big Rig try to bring you the latest up-to-date information on your Texas Rangers. So I hope that you are prepared to be entertained and dazzled for the next hour or so. Uh, I do want to make sure I remind you that my book, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders in the Making of Men, my dad called me the other day, said it's still number six, holding strong on Amazon's uh, new release list. Uh, so I appreciate you guys who are buying it. Um, it's a terrific, not just because I wrote it, it really is a terrific inside look at uh, Deion Sanders. I spent a year with him at Jackson State, seeing how he gets down as a head coach and what makes him special. Tonight, though, it's all about the World Series, baby. Your Texas Rangers, one game away from winning their first championship in 63 years. Unbelievable, because nobody saw it coming this year. Uh, that being said, you know, one of the things that makes this show possible is my friends over there at Greening Law. And so if you're involved in an accident like I almost was today, oh, yeah, I laid heavy on the horn. Truck came in my lane. Clearly, this fool didn't look. Uh, but if you're ever involved in an accident and you get hurt and it's not your fault, it doesn't matter where you are. It could be at an apartment complex, a business, wherever. If you're not at home and you get hurt and it's not your fault, somebody else has been negligent, what you need to do, and I told y'all to put this in your phone so you, just, so you don't have to look for it. Put it in your favorites. What you need to do is call Greening Law, 972-934-8900. Tell them your situation. Somebody from the green team will pick up. You tell them your situation. And I'm telling you, if they bring you on as a client, it has been your lucky day. No cap, as young folks say. And this is what I mean. Um, when you go through a process like this, when you're fighting somebody else's insurance company, that thing can be long and drawn out and intimidating and kind of scary. And you need somebody to walk you through the process if you've never done it before. Greening Law does that. They do the thinking for you. Why? So you can focus on rest and renewal. Get your body right. Rest and renewal. So that's why, that's why you let them do their thing. They'll tell you when to stop, when to walk. They'll answer questions that you didn't even know were supposed to be asked. They'll set up doctor's appointments. They'll send you to specialists. They'll do all that heavy lifting so you can do what? Focused on rest and renewal. Um, so give my friends a green and law call. 972-934-8900. Um, and if you don't want to take my word for it, you don't have to. You should, but you don't have to. Check them out at greeninglaw.com, and you can read all the great things people have to say about Robert Greening, and you can see a lot of the good things that they do. Um, so give them a call, 972-934-8900. Let's talk some baseball, dog. You ready? Yes, sir. I mean, we got these late-night editions. Uh, hey, sucking we... down Red Bull and Cranberry Waterloo. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm on that uh uh orange sun kiss with caffeine. Hey, hey, show twenty five. That's what I said. I know. 
I'm just saying, show oh. 25. What's up, dog? That's a quarter of a century. Uh, there you go. All right. I'm there surprised. And we haven't killed each other yet. Because there's nah. a couple of rough, rough spots early. I called you a 12-letter cuss word. Really? <laughs> but not to your face. I didn't. Yeah, you cussed me yeah. after my face, so yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Uh, but anyway, let's talk baseball. <laughs> <laughs> your Texas Rangers. Now, don't get mad at me, all right? Y'all just deal with it. Twice, they've been one strike away from winning a championship. Right now, they're one game away from winning a championship. And it seems kind of surreal to me, but Texas Rangers win game four, 11 to seven, a little closer than it should have been, because at one point they were up 11 to one. At one point they were up 10 to nothing. Um, so, uh, but, you know, when it's all said and done, they got it done. Uh, they hit three homers tonight. Marcus Simeon made an appearance with a triple and a homer. Travis Jankowski did his best. Araldis Garcia imitation with two hits and a couple runs scored. Corey Seager, you know he did the damn thing. He hit a crushing homer. And uh, the only negative part is, now, you know, I told you a few weeks ago that Jeff Bannister once got mad at me because I referred to pitchers in his bullpen as winning pieces and losing pieces. And he's like, they're human beings. They're not pieces. Well, they had a 10-0 lead, the Rangers did. And so what did Bruce Bochy try to do? After Nathan Haney gave him five, and, or I think he gave him five innings or five and two-thirds, he tried to, to use his losing pieces, which means these are guys who normally don't pitch when the team is winning. He tried to lose, use them to finish out the game. And, dog, it got to the point where LeClerc had to come in with runners on second and third and uh, the one out in the ninth, which is ridiculous. And uh, he gave up a hit, and that made it 11-7, and he got the last two outs. But you didn't want him to have to throw any pitches tonight so that he could be as fresh as possible to try to close this thing out tomorrow in Arizona. Uh, so, yeah, that's a little bit of a nitpick, but it's baseball, man, and all this stuff matters. Uh, that being said, let's not lose sight of the big picture. And what's the big picture? Uh, your boys came out and handled their business and uh, took C's control of the series it's 3-1. I don't have the stats with me right here, but we all know that if you get up 3-1, um, very, I mean, you know, the closing rate for winning uh, the World Series if you're up 3-1 is incredibly high. Texas, I believe, has the two best pitchers going, Nathan Nivaldi and uh, Jordan Montgomery for games five and six. I did the math, although baseball math is a little tricky. They both appear, I think, to be on full rest. And so they got a real good chance to win the World Series. They got a great chance to close it out in Arizona tomorrow. And, you know, man, it's really funny. You know, just, you know, ain't nobody thought the Rangers going to do this this year. And it's not done. But nobody thought the Rangers going to the World Series this year. Uh, thought the playoff team maybe. Um, if all these additions they had could stay healthy. But World Series was not really in the question. And so it's really kind of still surreal that they got a chance to win a World Series. Uh, but think about how, well, I don't know how you felt, or I can't remember how you felt, so you can tell me in a minute. <laughs> when they left Arlington to Arizona, I was like, okay, the series is one-to-one. 
Arizona had just beaten them nine to one. Remember, the Rangers had to rally to win game one. They needed a dramatic homer from uh, Seager to tie it up, and then they needed Chapman's dramatic homer to win it. So it really felt like you're lucky to be 1-1, and Arizona has controlled the series, and now they're going back to the crib, and the Rangers got problems. And here we are a couple days later, it's like the Rangers lead the series 3-1, and Arizona got problems. And uh, it just changed that quick. So how were you feeling? Because I can't remember when the series shifted back to Arizona. Well, it's like a friend of mine said to me today. This, this is how I felt, that the Rangers stole one at home. How crazy did that sound? They stole yeah, okay. a game feel, at home. I mean, they kind of did. Yep. I mean, if you consider they was 0-61 when trailing after eight, and then they hit a two-run home to tie it and win it in the 11th, yeah, I'd say they stole it. Yeah, they don't win at home. That's the, that's the thing. You know, usually people are – it's the opposite. You win at home, you lose on the road. Oh, they kick your butt when they get to your house. Not they – I think – now, I think that was really just a Houston problem because uh, they were about 20 games over 500 during the regular season at the crib. So, yeah, they were a good won, home team. And they won like seven games in a row in the postseason. Uh, away, no, they, they just won home. their – no, they just won their uh, – you asked me too fast. It's either the 10th straight or the 11th straight road game. I think it's the 10th straight road game Yeah, uh, in the playoffs. Yeah. So they're they feel, they feeling some kind of mojo. They got something yeah. where they eat. No matter what the what the what uh, what they're served before the game for a pregame meal, they eat hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's what they got going on right now. Uh, this was a – this was an interesting game from this perspective. Uh, the Rangers went with Nate Haney, Haney who's been, uh, you know what he's been? He's been consistently inconsistent this year. He's had some really outstanding, terrific starts. Like, dang, that dude's a killer. And he's had some bad starts. We go, man, that dude's a bum as a pitcher. Send him back to AAA somewhere. Uh, so they started him today. Hoping he could give him five. Five would be a win. Twice through the lineup, that would be a win. Um, but Arizona, and this this is shocking to me, but it happened, and, and nobody was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. But, dude, they didn't really have a starter to go today. I mean, they didn't have, like, we're going to go with this guy and hope he gives us five. They decided to make this a bullpen game where they were just going to – pitch a bunch of guys out of the bullpen, mix and match, and uh, see if they could get through. That seemed to me – now, clearly, Tory Lavella, their manager, thought that that was the best strategy available for what he had. But that just seemed like, dude, game four was a pivotal game because if you tie it up at 2-2, I mean, I understand this, y'all. It's the best of three and it's on and popping. Probably going seven. If you lose it, you're down three to one, and now you got to win the next three. Two of them in Texas, and you got to beat the two best pitchers to do it. That's asking quite a bit. Uh, but, no, you know, regardless, they went, with the, uh, they went with the bullpen game, and it lasted well for one inning. <laughs> and then the wheels fell off. But the rank 
he just did that damage, man. Uh, and we talked about this. I know for a fact we talked about this. Even heading into the playoffs, uh, because I remember saying I'd never really heard a description like that before, which is, uh, and let me tell, tell me if you remember, when somebody, uh, somebody in baseball was talking about the Rangers and said, you know, with the Rangers, they put up runs like it's a basketball team, and it's like they make a run, and you have to, like, just make sure that they don't get a run out on you because they can score five or six runs in an inning real quickly, and before you know it, the game is over because they put up one big number in an inning, and that was a wrap for the game. Well, that's what happened in the second inning. And the thing about it is it came out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, literally, it came out of nowhere. And that was, um, that was a big problem for uh, Arizona the entire game. So uh, when, you, when you're looking at it, um, Josh Young, who had a hell of a game, uh, he's the rookie third baseman, leads off with a double. Okay, fantastic. Maybe they get a run. Nate Lowe strikes out, and then here comes the first change. The guy that they started, a guy named Joe Mantiply, they take him out, and they bring in uh, Miguel Castro, uh, who gave up the homer to Seager, or he gave up the homer to to Garcia. He gave up one of them home in game one. All right? So they bring him in, and Jonah Heim grinds, grinds out. Second to first, and Josh Young goes to third. And you're thinking, damn, now they got to get a, a – uh, they need they – got, they got run around third, one out. I mean, one, two outs, can they get him home? All right? Run around third, two outs, can they get him home? Because why? Your Texas Rangers are 9-0 when they score first in the playoffs. Wild pitch by Castro and uh, Young scores. Leota Tavares walks. And then Travis Jankowski, who's replacing Araldis Garcia, because he's been put, he's out for the playoffs. He got this strained back, uh, strained oblique. I knew it when I saw it. That's what it was. They put him on the injured reserve list and replaced him with uh, Ezekiel Duran, Max Scherzer, whose black back locked up on him. They put him on the injured reserve, replaced him with uh, one of those anonymous pitchers they got. And so Jankowski is playing right field for uh, Garcia. Promptly steps up with a rips a single. And so you got two out. You got runners on first and second. And you go, man, Marcus Simeon. You ain't done shit in the World Series. Nope. It sure would be nice for the $175 million man who led the American League in hits. Wasn't he in 197 or something? Yes, sir. Uh, Led the American League in runs scored. Dog, it would be nice for you to deliver something. Uh, Base hit to make it 2-0 would be great, man. And at that particular time, now, I'm going to give you a little insight. Um, I'm doing a story on Marcus Simeon that will appear tomorrow in Anscape. And I'll put it out on Twitter when it pops. So I was working on this Marcus Simeon piece today. So I was listening to him talk about how he never likes to take, take a day off and how um, he fights through slumps because you never know if today is the day. 
which makes sense. Like, I don't want to sit down today because today might be the day I break out because I'm very consistent in my approach. And it's just a matter of time until I break out. And so I was thinking about all of that while he was up at the plate, man. And uh, Simeon, um, dude, he, he, I noticed even his first at bat, he didn't get a hit, but it was a good at bat. And so uh, he worked the count, man, to um, one and two. And your boy Castro left a triple, I mean, left a uh, slider over the middle of the plate, man. And your boy jumped on that thing, ripped it down the left field line. It got away from the outfielder. And two-run score, he ends up on, on third. So you got a two-run triple, and just like that, it's 3 nothing. And the Rangers are going crazy in the dugout. And, dude, let me ask you this, man. Why would you ever pitch to Corey Seager right now? I don't know. You're the hottest man on the planet. If you If you didn't have to. Why would you pitch to him? It's like when they pitched to Garcia when he was in the middle of that streak where everything he hit was going out the park. Like, if you, can't, if you don't have any choice, I get it. You don't have no choice. You got to pitch to him. Why in the world would you pitch to Corey Seager right now? You got Mitch Garver behind him. Mitch Garver's fine. He's a good ball player. He ain't Corey Seager, dog. So what happened? You know, and, and what pitch does Corey Seager swing on, man? Do you know? Let me tell you something, dog. That dude loves to swing on the first pitch. Oh, well, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. No, nah, like that. he's yeah. during the playoffs, I think they said he's something like nine for 19 yeah. when he swings on the first pitch. One of the announcers was saying something. Yeah, I knew that because one of the announcers said, let me get this in before Corey coming up the bat. Let me, let me say this before he swings because he's going to swing right away. Dog, That's what you one cannot of throw that dude yeah. no fastball. Down the middle of the plate, talking about I'm finna get ahead in the count, 1-0. Yeah. I mean, 0-1. Yeah. You can't do it. What'd your boy Castro do, man? That dude threw a fastball right down the middle of the plate. That thing got launched. I'm here to tell you, Corey Seager's homer sound like this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I looked down because I was trying to write some notes, and I heard that crack, yeah. and I looked up, yeah. and I was like, oh, that thing gone. His homer sound different off his back. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, he is that dude. He is that twelve-letter cuss word. He is everything uh, he's supposed to be. He's worth his three hundred twenty-five million. Don't say nothing about his contract. He is that dude. Uh, well, he took that thing out, and it's five nothing. But I know the Rangers, man, and so I can't even sit there and enjoy the five nothing lead because the only thing I'm thinking is, hey Nathan Haney, you're a veteran pitcher. You got a 5 nothing lead. Can you come out and throw strikes and go get a shutdown inning? Because if you give up a couple runs, then your 5 nothing lead really never existed. It's really a three-run lead because as soon as they went to bat, they got them back. And if they get a couple runs, you're going to breathe life back into them because they're like, damn, we thought we was knocked out. Now we got a couple runs. We're only three runs down. We get three runs. And so... You know, to me, it was the psychology of it. But uh, uh, he did his thing. He got the shutdown inning. And damn, if they didn't come back, man, in the third. And uh, Josh Young single, went to second on a single with uh, Nathaniel Lowe. And John Heim reached on an air by Christian Walker. The same Christian Walker who ran through a stop sign 
and got thrown out at the plate by uh, Garcia yesterday. They kind of squelched that rally and helped the Rangers win. Yep. So he's had a bad couple of days in a row. And what happened was he rushed it. He was trying to get a 3-6-3 double play. But he fumbled the ball, getting it out of his glove. Then he bobbled it. Then he dropped it. Everybody's safe. So the bases are loaded. Everybody's safe. And you're like, Jankowski's up. It's two outs. And boom. Jankowski rips a single and rips a double to the gap, left center. Seven nothing. And to me, that was a big hit because what are we just talking about? At now this is just your boy here. At five nothing, I think teams believe they can come back. You know, it's baseball. We get a couple base runners, we get a hit, we score a couple runs. It's still early enough. We can chip away two runs here, then a run, then a run, then a run. We can tie it up. Seven nothing. You kind of take their heart because they're like, "Damn, seven nothing. We ain't coming back from that." And so that's what I thought. Jankowski's double did. It's seven nothing. Uh, Simeon's at the plate, and next thing I know, I hear. I looked up. I like, no, this fool didn't go deep. And uh, it was his first homer of the game, man. He hadn't had an extra base hit in 10 games until that triple. This is his first homer in the postseason. And I was like, damn, if Simeon fit to get hot, then it's a wrap. Because when you put when Simeon and Seager are both going at the top of the lineup, you can't do nothing with the Rangers. Uh, it's been like that all season. When them boys get hot at the same time, it's just a wrap because they put so much pressure on you that uh, they just suffocate the life out of you. Uh, so they go up 10 nothing, and at that point, I think the game is over. Like I said, it was 11-1 going into the bottom of the eighth when they gave up four and then gave up another couple in the, uh, in the ninth. Uh, it was never really in doubt. Uh, it's only bad that you had to bring LeClerc in. But, you know, man, when you look at it, I don't uh, – I mean, it's never over till it's over. And you have to go on and take care of your business as soon as you can take care of your business. But your Texas Rangers are a blink away from winning a world championship, which just seems insane to me. Yep. Uh, Just insane to me. Um, Here's another thing I was going to say today. Uh, I can't remember what play it was because I was doing a little bit of multitasking. Uh, But – uh, what it was one of those double plays they made, and I was just oh you know what it was I think it was not a double play. Uh, I think in the fourth or the fifth, Nate Lowe made a nice, uh, nice play to scoop a ball at first base, and then he tossed it to Haney who was sprinting over there to cover the bag, and they just got the runner. It's kind of a bang bang play, and I remember thinking. It's hard to believe that the Rangers are such a good defensive team now because just a couple of years ago they were a trash defensive team. And now I'm not sure that they have made an error in the World Series. Um, and I'm not, you know, I mean, they just play clean baseball. They don't really give you anything. And so, you know, it's just impressive to see how they've developed as a defensive club. Uh, you know, to go with the offensive they got in. And, dude, remember, this team was a year away. Um, If they can pull this off and get this championship, what it does to me is 
it says we have arrived. And remember, they got a bunch of guys on the move coming to the big leagues over the next couple of years. And so this could really open up a window where they can win some championships because once you win it, what do we always talk about, dog? It's the belief that you know you can win it. So you just play with a whole different swag. You got a whole different vibe to you because you know you're a champion. You know you can win it. It's no longer a question. And to me, um, there'll never be anything better than the first one for them, for the fan base or the team if they can pull this off. Uh, much like when the Cowboys won in 92, which is what you've always said. Uh, but I think it really starts a window where they could, you know, they could get a couple more uh, because of uh, what they have in the farm system, what they have on the team right now, the manager they have, and the belief that they'll have that comes from winning, winning it all. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, I was when I was sitting there thinking about what well, we talked about expectations, and then you talk about the manager. How many has Bochy won? You know, that's a good question. I think this would be number four. Okay, number four for him. So he done, you know, he he's coached the team. He knows how to handle a team that's won before. Yeah, because I think he won three in six years with the Giants. Yeah, that's in, but that's important right there. You know, everybody, you know, not everybody, but when you win that first one, you get some, you get some hangover sometimes. You, right. You know, you got to have that coach that know how to handle the team to do that, that recognize that in the team, you know, guys – on the you know having that hey I'm the best attitude you know guys trying to play above what they need to play, I think uh, I think they're in good shape, you know I'm I'm just glad yeah, so. I'm glad the baseball I'm glad baseball big time baseball is back to our area. And it's know? gonna be here for a minute because yeah. um, I think when you have uh, like Ray Davis, the team owner, he's got more money he can spend in ten lifetimes. Uh, he spent $500 million on Seager and Simeon two years ago. He saw it pay off. Yeah. He spent big money in the offseason, adding some pitchers and adding some other pieces, and he now if they can win this championship, he'll see that pay off. And what I'm saying is a man of his means, I don't think he minds spending, I mean, when they win it, which means you can go – Take care. You can add. You don't have to stand pat. You can go add to the team. You can add this. You can add that. Yeah, I was thinking that a lot of people, you know, guys want to come here. You oh, know, yeah, they want to be dude. here. You know. Oh, I think uh, I think this is a this is about to be the place to be because um, the ballpark is great. It's air conditioned now because it's a dome, retractable roof. Uh, everybody knows Dallas is one of the fastest growing cities in America. It's a great place to live. Uh, there's no state income tax. Uh, all these players will have big time money, but you can live in a quality mansion for two or three million in Dallas that would cost you fifteen, twenty million somewhere else. And so all of that combined, I think, makes Dallas a really attractive place to be. I think uh, from what you read, people really like Chris Young, the GM, people in baseball. And so uh, if they can pull this off, man, um, it'll, it'll be one of the more amazing sports stories. Uh, it'll probably be up there. You know, now we got to do some research. Probably be up there with the Mavericks in terms of kind of coming out of nowhere. Because I don't think anybody had the Mavericks as, hey, they should go win a championship the, one, the year that they won it. 
because uh, they used to be the one and done Mavs. Yeah. Uh, I can't yeah. remember when the stars went what we thought about them. But uh, it's amazing, man. The Texas Rangers, one game away, in position to win it. Uh, but, you know, the beauty of sports is my dad has talked about this for as long as I can remember. You got to play the game. You have to win it. You got to close it out. You got to take care of business. Um, you're in complete control. You know, but if you don't take care of business in game five, then you start to feel a little bit of pressure. And if it ever gets to seven, then all the pressure falls on you, much like Houston in game seven against the Rangers. Uh, and then if the other team starts fast, you can fall apart. Yeah, kind of Because like think the, about it, the like two the, best. Like the Mavericks and Avery Johnson. Yep. Let's change exactly. hotels. Let's, let's do everything, you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because you're feeling that. Uh, so, you know, um, they got Evaldi going in game five. Big game Nate, they call him. Um, you know, I think they'll come out and play a great game. I don't know if they'll win, but I do know they should be feeling good and you guys should be feeling good because I've said it a couple times today. Marcus Simeon is out of his slump. And just so you know, he was, he was six for his last 20. It, the only deal was he had only had one hit in every game. So the 197 batting average that you mentioned, dog, and I'm impressed that you knew that, that's really his highest batting average of the postseason. So the good news was he had his highest batting average of the postseason. The bad news was it was 197. Uh, I'm sure it's over 200 now, but that would also mean he's eight for his last 22, which is probably something like 310, 315. My point is he's starting to feel it. And the reason why he was struggling, just so you know, is they were teams that figured out that if we throw, if we work fastballs on the outside or we throw breaking balls on the outside, he's trying to pull them instead of trying to go with the pitch. And so he was popping them up or grinding out weakly trying to pull it. Um, today they made mistakes. He didn't, he didn't swing at those pitches on the outside of the plate. And then he waited for people to make mistakes. And when they made mistakes, he capitalized once with the triple, once with the homer. And uh, he was having good at-bats. And so if he's going to have at-bats like that, it's going to be really hard for uh, Arizona to shut him down. And, um, you know, Arizona has to play a certain way for them to win. They did it in games one and two. And we saw that. Uh, the Rangers up 3 nothing. In uh, game three, up uh, five nothing, and then ten nothing in game four. It's kind of shut them down, man. They're like anybody. When you had to play from behind like that, you can't really play the way you want to play because you're doing what? Well, we talk about the Rangers and the Astros all the time. They chasing the game. Arizona's chasing the game, and so you can't really play comfortable and do what you want to do because uh, you're chasing the game. So uh, terrific performance from the uh, Rangers tonight. They got contributions from all over the place, man. And, uh, you know, somebody made this point today, and I thought it was pretty good. They're like, ordinarily, if I told you Adolis Garcia wasn't going to play and Max Scherzer was going to be out for the rest of the series, ordinarily there should be a lot of trepidation because, hey, that's our best hitter, the soul of our team. 
and a guy who showed a lot of guts trying to come back from this injury who hadn't pitched well, but, you know, he gives us something in terms of swag and attitude. But somebody was telling me, and they said, don't forget, man, the Rangers, each of the Rangers' six All-Stars missed playing time in the second half of the season. Uh, Corey Seager missed a couple chunks. And so they're used to playing without some of their heavy hitters. And so it might not have the effect that it would normally because they're like, oh, we've already been there, done that, though. And so they come out with a relaxed mindset. And it seems to me that that's uh, kind of what happened today. Uh, just so you know, what did I tell you about Simeon and Seager, dog? Them boys today went four for ten, seven ribbies, three runs scored. That'll get you a win most days. Josh Young, I told you he had a great game. He was three for five uh, with a couple of runs scored. And then uh, Jankowski, two for four, two RBI, two runs scored. Um, so, heck of a game by him. Uh, you know, the Rangers got a good performance from Nate Haney. Uh, Haney, uh, five innings, four hits, uh, one run, two walks, three strikeouts. He had the big lead. That's all he had to do, man. Uh, Blake Burke was the guy who struggled today. Gave up three runs in a third of an inning. And this is always funny to me, man. He got an ERA of 67.5. Will Smith also struggled. He didn't have good command tonight. Some of that's probably he hadn't pitched in a minute. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. One inning. Actually, two-thirds of an inning, he gave up two, uh, two runs. His problem was he gave up a walk. So uh, if you stay away from them walks, good things happen to you. But, uh, you know, big, big win for the Rangers, 11-7. Dude, one win away. Uh, it feels to me like they're going to get it tomorrow. And can I tell you all something? This is just between us. I told Joe this earlier. You know, selfishly, I'd like to see them come back so I could partake in what it's like to see a championship up close. Now, you know what's interesting is I went to the Cowboys when they won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 30. I was at that game. I was a columnist when the Mavericks won in 2011. And right now, dog, right now, you know what I'm looking at? This is ironic. On the, uh, on the, uh, I haven't hung it up yet. But there's a framed picture of uh, the Mavericks winning the championship in 2011. It says, ring it up. Mavericks win first NBA title behind finals MVP Novitski because my column is on the front page. And it says, uh, Jets tattoo, clutch play in finals, mark of a champion. So, you know, I like that. It's kind of a cool moment. So I would like to see the Rangers, uh, considering I, I covered both World Series um, against the Giants and the Cardinals when they lost, and Ron Washington had to suffer through that pain. I would really like to see the Rangers. Uh, I'd like to be at the games and see how see how they turn out. That's just me, though. So Every, every uh, time you say Ron Washington, I'd be like, that's the way baseball go. <laughs> <laughs> That's, what That's how baseball goes. That's how baseball goes. That's how baseball go. Uh do what the game asks you to do. And uh he said 12 letter cuss word more than anybody I've ever heard in my life. 
picking machine. That knee. That and he, uh, he was always smoking in Marlboro. Yep. <laughs> Forever. Um, so, that's Baseball Talk. Uh, me and Big Joe have been doing these late night episodes because uh, we feel obligated to bring y'all the latest news. And so, uh, you know, they play tomorrow. Uh, so, uh, we'll probably bring you a bonus episode tomorrow just about the baseball game. Uh, and especially if the Rangers win, but even if they lose, we'll talk about it. But if they win, we'll come on and uh, and do it the way it's supposed to be done. Uh, yeah, how about that? Roger that. All right. Well, that's enough baseball talk for tonight. Your Texas Rangers, eleven and seven winners over the Arizona Diamondbacks, one game away from the first World Series championship. In the franchise's 63-year history, don't forget they spent the uh, first nine or ten years in uh, Washington as Washington Senators before moving to Texas. Uh, it's pretty exciting. Nobody saw it coming. It's still kind of wild to me. But, uh, hey, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll fill you in on baseball tomorrow. But right now, uh, I know at some point, and next week, man, next week is looking good, bro. Next week is looking good. Dom, whatever. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know what you're finna say. I know what you're finna say. Next, next it's week been is about, looking it, good, what, it's man. It's been about two months, two months since you promised the, the jam session, bro. Go ahead, bro. Go ahead. But next, but next week look good, dog. Almost, next week looks almost, good for almost, the jam session, bro. Almost made it by HEB okay. for the sauce. I'm just telling you that that for real. All right. Well, check this out. This is what I okay. Let me be. Let me be full disclosure. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting for my Porsche to get fixed because since I got to drive way out there, I want to. I want to let it out on the highway a little I don't, bit. They don't have so nothing. I've been waiting me. for the Porsche to get fixed. All right then. <laughs> Before uh, I zoom uh, out, trust, there. trust. Waiting on you to feed me. I'm not getting skinny. <laughs> no sir. <laughs> so what y'all need you. to do? The jam session bowl is to live for. It really is. Uh, it's at Smokey John's and Smokey John's at 1820 West Mockingbird. And what you need to do, man, is you go in there. It's not on the menu. You don't know about the jam session bowl unless you listen to Jock Talk. That's the, that's the great part about it. You don't even know about it unless you listen to the show. Uh, but what it is is they take, they ask you, and once you order it, hey, just want jam session bowl. Once you order it, they say mac and cheese and mashed potatoes. That's the base. And then they put two out of five smoked meats on it. I think you said you wanted brisket and sausage. Is that correct? Yeah, brisket. You can't never have too much brisket. Probably just brisket. Oh, see, the double brisket is out. Double brisket yeah. is something. Yeah, hey, it's you all know, good, man. You can't never have too much brisket. Place. So, in Joe's case, put double brisket. And then all the stuff you find on a loaded baked potato, like bacon bits and chives and cheese and sour cream and butter. Oh, dude, and then they say uh, you want the sauce on the side or you can drizzle it or you can drench it. I prefer to drizzle myself. Uh, so, and then, you know, it's enough for two people. Easy. If you got a little shorty, three of y'all can eat off of it. No problem. There's no reason for you not to have Smokey John's in your mouth every day. <laughs> Real talk. Because you can go 
to smokyjohns.com, click on the marketplace on the website, and you can have the sauce or the rub at your crib in a couple of days. Or, as Joe just said, you can go to H-E-B. They got them in Frisco, Burleson, you know, Waxahachie, uh, McKinney, everywhere, man. H-E-B. And go pick up the sauce and the rub at H-E-B because they're in H-E-B's all over Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, so there's no excuse for you not having uh, some Smoky Johns on your taste buds at some point this week. Now, man, uh, it seemed like the Cowboys played forever ago because we've been talking so much baseball these last two weeks. But your Cowboys put in a uh, scintillating, dominant 43-20 win over the L.A. Uh, Rams the other day. Hey, did you know that was the first time in NFL history that there had been a score, 43-20? to No, nah, I didn't know that. That seemed odd to me because 43 doesn't seem like a weird number. Uh, but maybe that's because – but maybe it is a weird number because normally you get to 42. Oh, the safety. Uh, the safety threw it off. Yeah, so 43-20 to 20 was a score that had never been achieved in the National Football League before. How about that? I find that interesting. But anyway, you know, we like to go over four plays that shape the game, and that's a, those are plays that you might have forgotten about that played a big role in a win or a loss because every game is pretty much decided by four or five plays. And a lot of times, if they go your way, you win. If they don't go your way, you lose. And so uh, without further ado, Doc, let's get into the five plays. Uh, four play. Oh, dude, I'm sorry, man. You know, this is what happens when you get these late night editions. Uh, you know, although I, we, we did get a compliment from Craig the, uh, today. He sent me a text that said, great episode yesterday. I said, thanks, bro, even though I was loopy. And he said, it's all good. So, yeah. Uh, with, what's who, is, who is Craig? Don't put me on the spot, man. Okay, then. All I right. think Craig is a security guard who used to work at the Cowboys. Okay. I mean, at the Mavericks. Okay. Well, we appreciate you, Craig. Not a security guard, but he's, he does something with security. Yeah. Uh, y'all would get along because he sent me a long text that day we was talking about going to the gun range. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how he liked He goes and shoots with some people. And uh, he was like, I like this gun. I like that gun. And they got some great guns. And. I was like, oh, I know just the guy you need to hang out with. Okay. Roger that. But if you was looking for five five plays, you ain't getting five. There's only four? There's only four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciate your honesty. That's what so, you're getting. That's what you yeah. asked for. That's what you're getting. Four. Damn, that man said that's what I asked for and that's what I'm getting. Yeah, because when you uh, said five, right. I was like, I know. I had that. Uh, so yeah, let's uh, let's hit those four plays that shaped the uh, shaped the Cowboys' uh, win Sunday at AT and T State. Um, the first play happened rather quickly. Okay, so check this out. Some of y'all may have heard this. Some of y'all may have not. So if you've already heard it, it's still cool. But you just got to bear with me for a second. I'm watching the. I was in Colorado this weekend. I mean, I was in L.A. this weekend at the Colorado-UCLA game. 
So I'm flying back. Took an eight o'clock flight so I could get back as early as I could um, to see the Cowboys game. Cowboys game started at noon, so I'm watching on the plane. First play, Dak Prescott sacked. Uh, then Tony probably goes to four. And on the next play, it's third and 11. Dak Prescott is sacked again. And I'm like, good Lord. Uh, this game is going, uh, is not starting. How do you say it, man? This game has a very inauspicious start to it. Yeah. And just as I was about to say that, this happens. On third and long. Here comes Young. Byron Young with the sack. However, penalty flies from the secondary. So let's see if this holds up. If it does, the Rams have two sacks on the opening series. Illegal contact. Defense. Number 37. Five-yard penalty. Automatic first down. Bro. Now that was, to me, that was the ticky tackiest of illegal contacts. And I believe the uh, the rules guy came on and said, "Well, it's a it was illegal contact in the spirit of rule and the letter of the law, but maybe not really." And you know, you could call it, you could not call it, because it really it really wasn't even much of a mis of a redirection. But whatever it was, it got the Cowboys out of a bind. Because, you know, the NFL is interesting, man. These games can turn really fast when, when one team comes out and really asserts itself early. We've seen Dallas do it. Uh, we saw the Cardinals do it to Dallas where they just came out just flying. And you felt like, well, damn, the game just started. And if y'all don't make a play, it's going to be like 14 nothing before you even catch a breath. And so the way the Rams were starting on defense, I was like, Damn, they, I'm, you know, this, this thing ain't got no good feel to it. But all of a sudden, that penalty slowed things down. And um, even though Dak got sacked on the next play uh, to make it second and 17, yeah. um, here's the thing. We had these blowouts, and the way this game turned so quickly, you've already got another big play that happened right here. This offensive line early on has no answers for this Rams front. Second and long. Four-man rush. Prescott gets rid of it over the middle. CeeDee Lamb. Nice catch and move. Lamb turns on the speed to the outside and a first down for Lamb. Good move after the catch. And CeeDee's got 18. Dude. Because um, he got second on the next play, so it's already second and 17. And you're going to be back in the same hole. If you can't uh, can't make a first down, and C.D. Lamb took that thing, man, and he acted like he was back at Oklahoma. He it looked like he took that little ten yard pass, turned it outside, and like he was trying to score on that thing. Yeah, he uh, pretty, he pretty strong for a uh, 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 under two hundred pound guy. He really is. You can you kind of forget that when they used to do them throw them uh, the the quick screens to him and stuff, and he break two or three yeah. tackles because he he pushed. When he got to the to the sticks, I mean, he dove. I mean, he drove like two guys, you know, for yeah, yeah, yard. yeah. yeah. No, nah, he ran right through them. Yeah. Uh, so that was Ceedee Lamb for seventeen yards in the first down. Then it was Ceedee Lamb for five. Then Michael Gallup for fourteen. 
then C.D. Lamb took a, took a uh, end around in game four. And what that told me was all uh, that bitching and moaning that C.D. did last couple weeks, all them conversations he had with Dak and with Mike McCarthy, I guess they paid off him, so he just uh-huh. needs to go. All that, B, all that BS about y'all, y'all reading the wrong body language. I think he was smiling on the sideline. I don't think he was dropping his head. Yo, no, he was mad. He tried to act like y'all reading me wrong, but he he was mad. I don't care what nah. he said. Um, so he ended up with uh, Doug. I mean, he went off in the first half. In the first half, Ceedee Lamb had nine catches for 122 yards and two touchdowns. It started on that first drive. Yep. And that drive, go ahead. No, I just, I just, I'm agreeing with you. I, I loved it. I love it. Oh, you know what, man? We got to put the organ in there, and then you can just hit the organ. We're going to find an organ sign, church organ this week. And then you can just hit the organ when you're feeling good. And I'd be like, well. Yeah, okay. I'll see that happen. <laughs> nah, no, but go ahead. So, uh, C.D. Lamb, man, he's off to a good start. That drive ends with a uh, a uh, touchdown pass. To Jake Ferguson, who made a uh, sensational catch. I'm not sure, I, and I'm not sure we discussed this. Was the catch better or the throw better? Man, it was a touchdown. That's I, I, I think I think uh, the catch because that that gonna make that something. He 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 can he when, once he decide what he gonna do, he can make throws like that. And your boy can make some 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 spectacular catches. It's the routine catches for Jake Ferguson that that get him. But I think he's very athletic. Yeah. Remember last year he hurdled somebody last year. Yeah, that boy got athletic. And he showed some That's dance cool. moves after he scored. I don't know what was that impressed. was. I don't know what that was. I don't know, but it, it was rhythmic. Whatever it was, it was yeah, rhythmic. Yeah, I wasn't sure. He think he Travis uh, Kelsey or somebody on something. I don't know. You know what, dog? You might have hit on something. He tried to beat Travis Kelsey. That's right. Yeah, that I might, see that. It might be his hero. They were the same number. Play the same uh, position. You know, you know what? West that West. sound like some stuff I need to. Yep. yep. See, you, see what? you, you already start. feeling me, you man. You already feeling me. Hey, man. I, I like that segment. What you talking about? I'm a fan of uh, that. Because uh, I'm headed out to the Cowboys tomorrow. I'm gonna try to find Jake and ask him about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Rams answered with a touchdown. I mean, with a field goal to make it seven to three. Uh, Cowboys get a 58 yard field goal from Brandon Aubrey straight down the middle. Probably would have been good from 68. And then. In a matter of about two minutes, game time, the the it went from ten to three to twenty six to three, and it was a wrap. And that's because um, on the next play, uh, Deron Bland had a pick six, uh, returned it uh, thirty yards for a touchdown. Uh, on the Rams' next series, uh, there's a block punt. Keontae Turpin returns the block punt. I mean, punt after the safety yeah. that uh, Sam Adams free, gets. He returns kick. that to the third. The free kick. Yeah, he returns yeah. the free kick uh, to the <laughs> to the L.A. 13. And then two plays later, Dak hits CeeDee Lamb 10 yards for a touchdown. And it's 26-3 with 12.45 left in the first quarter. What about the shake on the touchdown, though? Man. Uh, uh, uh. That, that was tight, man. Oh, no, he put him in a blender now. Yeah, he did. Uh, and, again, it was CD saying, hey, I can do these things. They moved him around. I, could, I, could I mean, they, they, they typically move him around, but they moved him around more than usual. They use more motion than they normally do. They did some things to help him out and get him open, though. Man, 
Man, there's people over there. Take care of the rest. There's people on that team that's playing for their football life. CD Lamb playing for his his contract. Dak playing, you know, you know, so people get off his ass when he get extended. Mike McCarthy is right. playing for his job. You understand? You know what? Them circumstances, right, right, right. circumstances create them them chances to be great. Let's 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 keep it up. That's what I'm saying. People playing for their life over there. So the score balloons to thirty three to three when uh, CD Lamb scores on a twenty two yard touchdown this time. And the game, for all the purpose, intents and purposes, seems over. All right? But the Rams do get the ball back just before halftime. And here's the deal, man. Because I know how these games work. If you'll, just, if you'll just play it out, it's all good. So it's second and 20 after a, after a holding call. Okay, now you got them in a good position. Well, they pick up 12 yards, and so it's third and eight. And here's what happened for the Rams. Not that. <laughs> Great games. No one's ever done it six. Stafford back. Rifles over the middle. It's caught 2-2. Adwell on a dart from Stafford. Down inside the Dallas 40. That'll be a first down. And the Rams can stop the clock and take a breath. So, dog, they got the first down on third and eight. So, basically, they convert second and 20. They move down, and uh, Freeman scores a one-yard touchdown with four seconds left. And here's the problem. You're like, Taylor, why are you tripping, dog? The score is 33-9. to nine. It's over. Well, the only problem is, you're right, it's probably over. But the Rams get the ball to start the second half. Yep. What if they go down and score, and all of a sudden it's 33-17 with the whole second half to go? And what if they get hyped because of that momentum and they get a three and out and score again? Now it's 33-24 and you, you got a ball game now. And don't act like we ain't seen it happen. Didn't we see, who was that came back from 36 to nothing in the second half last year? Was that the Colts? That was the Vikings and the Colts. Yeah. I think the Vikings came back. Yeah. So let's not, these, these games get crazy, man. When momentum starts to shift in a big way. And so I was not overreacting when it got to be 33-17 because I was like, man, this went from a blowout to a ball game just that quick. And if the Dallas Cowboys don't do something on this possession, dog, it can get serious real quick. Um, And so what happened, man? They went on an epic drive. Uh, But midway through that drive, they faced a fourth and one at the Rams 37. And it's 33-17 at that point. And you know Brandon Aubrey can hit that field goal. But I think Mike McCarthy was like, we need to do something to stem the momentum. So here's what happened. Here we go. Prescott to throw. Pressure over the middle. It's caught by Cooks for a first down. Brandon Cooks makes the big catch just a second today, but that'll keep the drive going. And just a... That was a little drag route. Led him in front of him, made the catch first down. Big play, man. Big play, even though it's 33-17, is a big play. Uh, Cowboys go down, and they, the drive ends up with a field goal by Brandon Arbor, 27 yards. That's not the big deal. It's a 17-play drive, 75 yards, 9.57 off the clock. 
And so when you go up 36-17 and you took almost the rest of the third quarter, you basically didn't give – like unless they unless you turn it over and just do stupid stuff, they really not going to have enough possessions to win the game. And so that was a great drive. Uh, the fourth down call uh, was kind of cherry on top. I thought, to uh, I thought Mike was in his bag on that because, remember, he, he sent a bunch of tight ends out. No, 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 time out. No, I don't want that. I don't want that. Let's run this right here. You know, that's when you know a guy's in his bag. You went from three tight ends to three receivers in a drag. I mean, that's <laughs> totally, you know what I'm saying? It's totally a different direction. Yeah. I thought that was pretty good. No, so uh, that's your four plays. Uh, Cowboys win 43-20, a score that's never been seen in the National Football League. Dak uh, has a fantastic performance. Um, what were his final numbers? Uh, 25 of 31, 304, four TDs and a pick. Uh, like I said, CeeDee Lamb, 12, 158, two touchdowns. Uh, that's the way the offense needs to look. Terrific team performance. Special teams were great. Defense was good. Uh, it was a, it was overall dynamic performance from your Dallas Cowboys, and they're going to need another one of those to beat Philadelphia uh, next week at the link. Uh, we'll talk more about that on uh, Thursday's episode. Uh, should be should be just a fantastic game. But then again, we thought that when they played San Francisco. <laughs> And I shouldn't say that the defense was just good. Defense held uh, the Rams to a four for 13 on third down and 280 total yards, 4.8 per play. That's an outstanding performance. That was, that was better than good. Yeah. Um, so let me make sure I give them their props. Well, the turnovers, the Dak, Dak didn't – he was the re, he was he was the reason we won, not the reason we lost. You know what I'm saying? He, the, he didn't turn the ball. That one pick was tipped. But, At the line of scrimmage. Yeah, it wasn't no – you know, he didn't get a ball away. That's what I'm saying. There's two games yeah. in a row. Hey, no turnovers, uh, you know. What's up? And, uh, you know, he also used his uh, his legs a lot more to get free. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he's making you know, he he making offense his own. And uh, he talked about that the other day after the game, just about being more cognizant of when to run, how to run, why to run. And uh, yeah. hopefully he can keep it up. All that old – West Coast footwork, tell you when to run stuff. How long did that last? Hey, man, you tell me all the time. It's about improvise, adapt, overcome. That's right. And when they got and, hit in the uh, mouth twice when that pass rush three times, it's <laughs> like, you know what, Mike, Mike, this ain't working. You know? No. Nah. Like, Let's do something else. Yep. So, uh, big day, big, uh, big week coming up in uh, Dallas sports. want to thank, once again, our friends at Greening Law. They make everything possible by sponsoring the uh, podcast. And uh, don't forget to pick up a copy of uh, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders and the Making of Men, the book I just wrote that just dropped a couple weeks ago. And uh, for Big Joe and the Big Rig, I'm Jean-Jacques Taylor. This is Jacques Talk. Until we talk again or chat again, you guys be blessed.